You just can't beat that, can you? You just can't beat it. Well, if I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star. That's a picture of what it looks like for somebody to find their way home. It's a picture. Just this past week, week or two ago, Sellers, I know, had a big group of our college students being baptized. I know at worship night the other night, we had a big group being baptized. It's a picture that God is still working, God is still moving, and God is still working in people's lives. So I don't know how you walked in today, but I'm gonna tell you this. I believe God's got a word for you today. I believe that right where you are, right where you're living, he knew you would be here, and he knew what you needed. I want you to do me a favor and take your Bibles. We're gonna get ahead and talk a little bit. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18 is where we're gonna be today. You were given a little sermon note sheet. On the way in, that will be our guide as we work along this morning. Uh, or the North Star Church app was, is a great place to be able to take notes and have your Bibles out and, or your Bible app out. and It's an easy way to follow along. We've been on this journey through the book of Acts. There's been a main player, especially these last two series in Resilient Now and Upstream, his name is Paul. Paul um, is a trailblazer. Paul is a guy who was a Jew of Jews, right? He was the guy that was persecuting the early church. But then Paul meets Jesus, radically meets Jesus. His name was Saul. They changed his name to Paul. Here's the problem for Paul. Paul wasn't accepted by the Jews anymore. The new believers didn't know what to do with him. For three and a half years, Paul was just sort of in a desert. He was just out on his own. He didn't really know what to do. And then Paul begins to do his ministry. And I mean, he was making a mark. Paul was going into towns. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was doing his thing. But Paul, everywhere he went, he would preach, and then they would run him out of town. He'd preach, they'd run him out of town. He'd preach, they'd beat him. Preach, get put in prison. While he's in prison, earthquake happens, warden gets saved, and the believers are like, it's not safe for you, and they, they move him out of town again. And Paul found himself in a season of discouragement. Doing exactly what God called him to do, Paul had found himself in a dry and lonely season. We don't think of Paul that way. We think of Paul as always having the right word. We think of Paul as always knowing what to say. We think of Paul as the guy who's got it all together. We think of Paul at the top of his game. We think of Paul because we still read him 2,000 years later. We think of Paul as the man, and he was the man. The problem was Paul had days like you and I have days where it just seems like that everything's dried up and God isn't there and I don't really know what to do. We just don't think of Paul. When you go upstream, you will feel like at times you're going alone. Paul was in a season like this in 1 Corinthians 18. Or I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 18. 1 Corinthians chapter two, he said this. I come to you in Corinth, this town that he's in. Listen to what he said. I'm weak and I'm trembling. I'm timid and I'm trembling. Is that how we see Paul? 
It's not how we think of Paul. But that's where we find Paul. This was the notes that I had in there this week. I want you to write these right at the top of your outline, ready? This will set our day, and then we're going to dive in. Tough spots and dry places. Some of you walked in these rooms this morning, compass, sitting out on the patio and wherever you're watching from, you're in a tough spot, you're in a dry place. Sometimes it's just a tough spot. Sometimes it's tough and dry. The great pastor, Chris Hodges, at Church of the Highlands over in Alabama, Chris wrote a book called Out of the Cave last year. This is what Chris said about it. He said, when I wasn't obsessing about the past, I was fixated on the future, and I was feeling overwhelmed. Everybody reaches those places. The question isn't, the question is not if we're gonna reach one. The question is, what do we do when we get there? I believe God has a word for us this morning. Right where you are today, would you just pray? Would you? Would you ask the Lord to speak specifically to you this morning, would you? Would you tell the Lord right where you're at right now? God, I'm dry. God, I'm empty. God, I need to hear from you. Would you tell him? Father, you hear the cry of our hearts today. No surprise we're here. You've got something for us today. Now speak to us, teach us, and give us what we need. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. So maybe you're in that season right now and you're like, man, today's for me. Maybe you're in a season like everything is great, all right? Take notes because your season's coming. All right, here we go, Acts chapter 18. Would y'all stand with me today and honor reading God's word today? Paul has left Athens where he's been empty. He poured out in Athens and did not see the results he thought he would see. Verse one, then Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. Okay, Corinth, so it's not like Corinth is like this really nice town with really nice people. Corinth, in our world, you would compare almost to Las Vegas. I mean, it was just full of, I remember Ann and I stepping off the plane in Las Vegas a few years ago and going, wow, this place is different. All right, and so that's basically what Corinth was like. It was full of a lot of stuff that you read about if you read 1 Corinthians. He's wounded. He's tired. Now he just shows up. Another new town. Another place to get run out of. Verse two. And there, in Corinth, he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them for there were tent makers just as he was. He just happens to run into Priscilla and Aquila. Everybody look at me. Long before Paul reached this place he tells us about, God prepared Priscilla and Aquila to be there to meet Paul. Everybody look at me. When you're in your darkest time, God has not taken a day off. 
when you're in that season of going, I need something, God's behind the scenes working. Paul had never met Priscilla. He had never met Aquila. But they were gonna be used in Paul's life. He began making tents with them. And for the rest of Paul's ministry, Priscilla and Aquila became the people in Paul's life that poured gas on him to keep him going. Verse four, each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue. And I love this next word that Luke records. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue. What's the next word? Trying to convince. All right, so I remember a few years ago, I got a, a, a text from a principal saying, hey, would you speak to my students? I said, I would love to. So I thought I was doing like a class or something. And I said, well, tell me exactly what I'm doing. She said, I have you down for three one-hour times with all my middle schoolers. You have sixth grade one hour, seventh grade one hour, eighth grade one hour. You've got an hour with middle schoolers. That is terrifying. All right, that is terrifying. When I get behind a bus and it's full of middle schoolers, and they're doing things, you know they're making fun of you, all right? And so now we'll be out in front, and I spent an hour with each of them trying to convince them, right? That's a pretty good picture of what Paul was trying to do. Look what he was trying to do. He was trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, he spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. You could see Paul pleading with them. He's the one you've been looking for. They ain't interested. Look at what it says next. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go preach to the Gentiles. If this was said in, in uh, Fayetteville where I was growing up, basically the phrase is, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I forget you. That's basically what Paul said. I'm done with you. I'm out. I'm just gonna go talk to the Gentiles because they're all interested. You all act like you know more than you know. You really don't know that much. So I'm gonna move on. Then he left. He went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in the household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, and they became believers, and they were baptized. You see Paul. I mean, you see God beginning to work in Corinth. But look at where we find Paul in verse 9. And one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, and he said these words, don't be, what's the next word? Do you ever see Paul being afraid? Well, evidently he was because God had to encourage his heart. How many of y'all have ever been afraid before? We've all been there. Here's Paul, the trailblazer of the New Testament, watching God work around him, and yet Paul needed the encouragement from the Lord. Paul, don't be afraid. Look at what he says to him. Speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you. I got you, Paul. You're not alone. Nobody's gonna attack you. This is so good. Nobody's gonna harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. God planted Paul in Corinth because Paul needed to be planted. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. You can be seated. This is one of those stories how many of y'all grew up in church? Raise your hand if you grew up in church, okay? 
you hear the phrase, Paul's missionary journeys, and you're like, okay, well, here we go. We're going to talk about all the places Paul went. Let me tell you what happened. While Paul was on those journeys, while Paul was in those moments, God was leaving things for you and I to learn from. Paul, in his darkest, deepest place in Acts chapter 18, find something that you and I need to know now. Principle number one, ready? Three simple things. Simple to say, hard to live. We learn from Paul, we gotta find my people. I want you to write down under, under number one, I need people. Write that down. I need people. We all need people. There is nobody created to be a Lone Ranger. We all need people. I need people, you need people. Well, Mike, I'm more introverted. I don't need, you may not need as many people, but you need people, right? So I raised two children. I have a son, Casey, who's 28, and I have a daughter that's 25. Polar opposites. They could not be more opposite. Casey, my son, many of you know, your high schoolers are with Casey. Casey doesn't need a lot of people. He's getting married in June. I think Kelsey's got 400 Attendance on her side, on, on bridesmaids, and he's like, I got four. So we had to rent people, to borrow people for the wedding to fill out, to fill out his, he still need a lot of people, but he needs people. He needs people. He didn't go to prom in high school. He didn't go to prom. He's like, why do I want to go somewhere with somebody I don't like, spend money I don't have to be somewhere I don't want to be? And I'm like, you're a curmudgeon, all right? Basically, you're a curmudgeon. What's wrong with you? But he found out in life, he needs people. That little group of guys, that group of four, he needed them. My daughter, she needs people. She knows she needs people. She needs lots of people. Second grade, I'm driving her down 41 to Sparkle Skating Rink for a birthday party. Now, that's a blessing from the Lord, all right? And so we're driving down 41 to Sparkles, and we need to pull over and get a card. And I'm like, who is this party for? She's like, dad. She's like my best friend at school. I'm like, all right. So we pull in. So I buy a card, buy a little gift. I said, what's your name? She said, I don't remember. I'm like, well, how do you not remember? She needs lots of people, right? But we need people. Think about this. Paul needed two tent makers named Priscilla and Aquila. Paul didn't know them. They got run out by Caesar from Italy. They showed up in Corinth. They didn't show up in Corinth to make tents. I want you to write this little thought down. They showed up in Corinth for Paul. Paul needed Priscilla and Aquila. You all need Priscilla and Aquila's in your life. Because the fact of the matter is, there are moments and seasons in our lives where we're empty. We read all the right books, we pray, we go to church, but we're empty. And I'll tell you this, ladies, you do better at this than most guys do. Most men, the longer they live, the more insulated they get and more isolated they get. 
They used to have a lot of group of friends around them. Now guys just come home. And sometimes the more successful they are, the more isolated they are. And we're empty. Paul would preach in the synagogue, then he would go over to Titius and Crispus and hang out with them. Why? Because Paul needed people to pour into his life. I really don't care what your occupation is. You need people. There are some needs in your life that other people can pour into. But if you don't open yourself up to it, you'll never know. You and I need people. Paul needed people. I look at all our WAVE students over here. These students got to Kennesaw State University to come for whatever reason, but they met people. And now they can't imagine life without their people. You're in this group today. You're, if you're in this service today and you're in a small group, how many of y'all are currently in a North Star small group? Raise your hand. Am I telling you the truth that you need people? You don't know how bad you need them, do you? You don't have them. I'm in nine groups. That tells you how bad I need people, all right? So I'm in nine groups. You know the lesson I've learned from my nine groups that I'm in? How bad I need people. When I've reached the darkest moments of my life where I felt like God was silent, people showed up and poured into me. Like water on a dry land. And it might be a text. It might be a phone call. It might be a hug. It might be dinner they brought by the house. Remember when Ann's dad passed away back in October of 2020, showing up after the service in our kitchens just full of food brought by people. We all need people. Find your people. When we get done today, we're gonna give you an opportunity to write on a card, groups. We have a system set up from, from elementary through your adult years for you to find people like you because you need people. Paul needed people. Isn't it interesting? Yes or no question. Could Jesus have done ministry all by himself? Yes or no? He could have. He just didn't. He chose 12. And out of the 12, there were three he really hung out with. And then there was a family, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, there were friends of his. He needed people. If Jesus needed people, we need people. Paul, I bet you when you get to heaven one day, you'll say, Paul, tell me about Priscilla and Aquila. What'd they mean to you? I bet Paul's like, how long you got? How long you got? I don't know if I'd have made it without them. They didn't show up at Corinth to mend tents. They showed up at Corinth because I needed them. Next Sunday, Mother's Day, we're gonna be celebrating. Don't miss. I'm gonna introduce you to Ananias, Priscilla, and Aquila. They're gonna be here. I don't know where my life would be if they hadn't have shown up when they did. Principle number two, not only do we find our people, principle number two, we hear from the Lord. We hear from the Lord 
It's interesting. People can never fill you all the way up. I don't care how good they are, I don't care how motivating they are, how sweet they are. I've met people, when because when Daniel and Bonnie do premarital class, and they have all these sessions they do with them, it's amazing, and then I do my final session with every couple, and they'll look at each other, and they're like, well, they just filled me up. <laughs> I'm thinking, call them in six months, all right? And so, <laughs> they're gonna fill you up forever, right? It's just not gonna happen. People can only give you a little bit. We've got to hear from the Lord. Listen to what it says. I, I, love, I love how Luke recorded this. He said, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and he told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am, what's the next phrase? With you. So what do we do when we reach those moments? that we don't hear from the Lord. I want you to write down a couple thoughts. And these are things to remember. Remember, we use that phrase here all the time. Never forget in the dark what I know to be true in the light. All right? This is what we know to be true. Number one, God's always speaking. Number one, God's always speaking. Number two, God hadn't forgotten me. It's almost like God looked down at this great leader, Paul, and he's like, hey, Paul, I know you're there. I got you. And number three, God's going to see you through. He's going to see you through. It's the picture of God just grabbing our chin, lifting our chin, going, I got you. I know you're walking upstream right now. I know life isn't easy right now. I know things are hard right now. I got you. Look around you. I sent people. I think about some of the seasons of my life. People showed up just when I needed them. But there's only so much people can do. We need to hear from the Lord. A few years ago, I had to do an exercise for a group I was in and they called, called it spiritual markers, and we had to walk, write down every time in our life we felt like the Lord had spoken to us. And it was a coaching thing that I was in. So I started at the age of 14 when I got saved, and all the way from 1983 to 2012, I had all these times I felt like the Lord had spoken to me. I remember being 17, kneeling in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at a church retreat, and Ike, my pastor, leaning over me going, God's gonna use your life to do great things. And I, I remember him praying that over me. And I felt like he said that to me. He may have said it to every kid down there, but I felt like, don't ruin my dream. All right, I felt like he said it to me, right? It was just for me. I remember that. But in 2012, I had no more. And I wrote on my thing, the silent years. 2012 to 2014 were silent years. I believe God was speaking, I just didn't hear him. You ever been there? How bad was it? Go to my LinkedIn page. You want a little kick? Go to LinkedIn and look at all my references, all from June 2012. I have 20 people that I asked to write a reference for me in June 2012. Why? Because I was in such a dry place, I didn't know if I was gonna make it. In ministry, I was trying to figure out what was next. 
And all these friends are like, I mean, is there any reason I'm writing? No, man, just, just write it. I, was, I asked, I was on vacation at the beach. I remember making the text and phone calls for all these friends to write these references. And they're all on my LinkedIn, all from the season of dryness. I don't know what that says about me that I had to ask them to write a reference. But anyways, that's a whole nother deal to hurt my feelings, all right? And so we all hit those dry seasons, don't we? We need to hear from God. Long story, I'm not gonna fill you in on, but I remember it was 2014, 6.30 a.m. in my office working through a process with a life coach when God went, Mike, I've been speaking to you the whole time. And it changed everything. Last night, I was reading through some stuff. Good friend of mine that pastors in Buffalo, New York, they wrote this quote down, and it was just like spotlight was on it. Mother Teresa, who spent her life giving, serving, doing, left affluence, went into poverty for those that could never pay her back. And they said, how do you handle darkness and dryness in your world? And she said this, Jesus is the deep well and every day I drop my bucket in that well. He's more water than I could ever hold. And every day I drop my bucket in his well. Ladies and gentlemen, can I give you good news? God's well never runs dry. It's a spring of living water. What do we do when we, when we go through those seasons? We go back into that deep well. I thought it was so interesting that this baptismal was sitting here today because that's a picture of the well of living water. That's the living water. It represents, he lived for us, he died for us, he rose again just for us, and his spring never runs dry. And everybody look at me, and he never gets tired of you coming. And you dip your bucket God fills you up. He fills you up. He's everything you need. He's everything you want. We take our bucket. So we're off. It's interesting. We're off a road. It's called Blue What Road. Anybody know? Why is it called Blue Springs Road? Because right across the street, there's a spring. We bought this property in 1998, 99. I've walked across that creek for a long time. We've lived through some droughts. That creek's never been dry because there's a spring of water. Thankfully, we didn't build on, about all we did, right? All right and so thankfully, we didn't build on that spring, but it always runs. Ladies and gentlemen, he has all that you need God, I need to hear from you. We find our people. We hear from the Lord in number three. Ready? Not only find our people and we hear from the Lord, watch this, and then we take it and we pour into others. Paul stayed there 
for a year and a half, preaching, teaching, being poured into by friends, hearing from the Lord, pouring into others. And then Paul would go right back to the well and he'd fill it up again. I want you to write this little thought down under number three because it makes the day. We gotta get this. I was created to pour into others. You were not created for stagnant water. You were created to let water flow through. The more you let flow through, the more capacity you have to get more. You're not created to be a swamp where water just sits. You've been blessed, but you let it sit. No, you were created to take it in, pour it out, go and get more. You will find the life which you were created to live when you find out your life's for others. Friday morning, I was in Lumpkin County, Georgia at 8 a.m. with a 227 seniors at Lumpkin County High School talking about how to live a life of no regrets. One of my principles, one of the principles is you're not created for you. You're created for somebody else. And the earlier you find that out, the more fulfilling your life will be. You are not here for you. Some of us were stagnant water. Legacy is not what you accumulate. Legacy is what you leave behind in people. You create legacy when you pour out. What did, I look, not even think of this at 930. I didn't think of it. I'm walking off stage and I want to run out and go, oh, I got one more thing. You know what Paul said? Paul told Timothy, I'm being poured out is a drink offering. I want to leave empty. I want to leave empty. I want God to fill me up and I want to pour it out. You know, live a life that makes a difference? Pour it out. Life's not about you. Life's about somebody else. God did not save you for you to sit. God found you, welcomed you home so you can take in and you pour it out. Friday, I told the story of my mom. I hate you didn't get to know her. It's a special lady. My senior year, we had a young man played baseball on our baseball team named Jerry. Jerry's mom, her Jerry's dad was going through cancer and his mom was having to go down to Noonan from Fayetteville back then. And it was a little, seemed a little further at that time for whatever reason. And so she would go down there every day to take care of, of Jerry's dad who'd been a coach there in town. And I remember my mom going, hey, tell Jerry to pack up his uniform in our little Fett County Tiger bag 
and bring it home to him every night. I'll, I'll keep his clothes washed. Just tell him to put his school clothes in there, uniform in there, and I'll wash them every night. Okay. So I went to Jerry. I was like, Jerry, I hate to even ask you this, but my mom would like to wash your clothes. And Jerry's like, you have no idea. I'm by myself. That'd be awesome. So every night, I'd, he'd pack up his little bag. He'd change clothes, and I'd wait till after practice, and I'd carry it, carry it home. Dad, Jerry's dad ended up passing away in April, March, April of that senior year. I really didn't think a lot about it. That's just sort of how mom was. At one of our reunions, five year, 10 year, whatever it was, Jerry came up to me and he said, man, I, would you tell your mom thanks for what she did for me in high school? I was like, sure, I'd be glad to. I said, I know she washed your clothes. It was her honor, man. She loved doing it. She's like, man, she didn't just wash my clothes. Every day she put spending money in that bag so I could eat. Because I get home, I was so sad about my dad. And I'd reach in there to be an envelope, a little note from your mom. It kept me going. When I stood at the receiving line at her service, as people, friends and family, and hundreds of her customers came through, I heard a common theme. Let me tell you what your mom did. Let me tell you what your mom showed up at my house. Let me tell you what your mom did for my mom. She spent her life and she left empty. That's how God created all of us to live. Would you pray with me? Father, what a drink offering. Paul was. We cling to his words in Philippians. We hold to what he told Timothy. And then we're reminded it wasn't always so easy going upstream. But you gave him what he needed right when he needed it. If you're in one of our venues this morning, you go, Mike, I am in a season of dryness. And I need the Lord. I need prayer right now. And I want to acknowledge before the Lord, I know he's got me. I just need to be reminded he's got me. I'm in that season. Would you just stand right where you are? I'm not even looking. It's between you and the Lord. Just stand right where you are this morning. Just acknowledge I'm in that place. Maybe you're here today and you said, Mike, I've been going solo. God spoke to me. I need people. I need people around me. That's what the Lord said to me today. Would you just stand right where you are? Just acknowledge that before the Lord. Stand right where you are. I need people. Maybe today God just said, man, I've blessed you in so many ways and you've gotten selfish. You've become the Dead Sea. There's just nothing going out. I created you to pour into others. Mike, I want my life to be poured out for others. God has spoken to my heart this morning. If that's you, would you just stand, would you? 
Father, you know the names, you know the stories, you know the hearts. God, would you meet each of those needs? Father, thanks for being so good to us. Thanks for loving us like you do. You guys can be seated. Father, we give you us today. In Jesus' name.